Hey Broadway, it's great to be here with you today. Listen, I want to do this to start things off today. I'm do my one funny thing and the rest of it's going to be dead serious, I promise. But anyway, here's Ian Stamps as played by the Cowardly Lion. Hi everybody! <laughs> there, okay, good. We've had a laugh. Now we can get serious. Why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 1. We're going to get into that in just a minute here, but I want to tell you this first. The year was 1989. Bill and Ted had taught us how to be excellent to each other. Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer taught us how to laugh at a show about nothing. And Millie Vanilli taught us how not to earn a Grammy Award. And at 12 years old, I was most certain that I had figured out the greatest mystery of life. And that, of course, is what is the key to happiness? Wanna well, know what it was? It was one thing. Like Jack Palance said in City Slickers, just one thing. And no, it, it wasn't it wasn't Kyla because you know I hadn't met her yet and I was twelve and she was nineteen, so that's a little weird and illegal. But I I was I just knew, I knew that this this one thing is the is the thing that I could not live without. You know, I had friends who already had it, and so I would go over to their house and get a taste of life with it, but, you know, unfortunately that time ended and, and, and it wasn't nearly enough. There were even some weekends on occasion where I could rent it, but those weekends would end and I was left longing for more. I just had to have it for myself. Well, Christmas came that year, and just down the road from here, in Windsor, my dream came true. N no, not that. Yes, that. But also this. Of course, you know how this story ends. I lived happily ever after. No, that's not true at all. I mean, yes, it was one of the greatest days of my life up to that point. I mean, how could it not be? It, up to that point, there was no way for me to play Super Mario Brothers at home whenever I wanted. But was this a happiness that lasted for all time? No, for so many reasons, no. Better things came along, much better things, and not the least of which was my understanding of what true happiness is. Now, we're gonna tackle this concept this morning, and the cool thing is, then in scripture, we have a roadmap to guide us there. So let's go to our Bibles like I asked you to, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you've ever been to an airport or or a shopping mall, then you're probably familiar with those great big maps that they have just kind of stationed in different places there. 
you know, the, the thing where you're looking at it and you're like, hmm, I think I need a glow-in-the-dark shirt that's got a skull and crossbones on it. I need to find the hot topic. Yeah, there it is, but, but where am I? And then you'd see those arrows accompanied by the words, you are here. That's kind of how this psalm works. You see, it, it, it functions as a key to the other 149 psalms. It, and it's interesting because the psalms are widely known as a book of prayer. But this first psalm is more of a poem. And, and it talks about how we should conduct ourselves and the reward for obedience to that. And that reward is the key to happiness. Now, it's got a couple of components, so let, let's dive into this and let's talk about it. First of all, number one, the key to true happiness is knowing what true happiness is. The very beginning of the psalm here, blessed is the man. The very first word in the very first psalm is blessed or blessed. You could say either one. And it's definitely not the last time that it will be used in the Psalms. As a matter of fact, it's used 108 times in 98 verses. And here specifically, it's the Hebrew word esher that is used. You want to know what that means? Happy. The, the Greek translation is makarios. And that can be literally translated into the English word blissful. And that is the same word that Jesus used in the Beatitudes. Now, we have to be careful here because if we start using the word blessed to describe every time that we're happy, well, that's when Inigo Montoya pops up and says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, right? We see it all the time in social media. Like, you know, I just got a new car, so blessed, or, you know, our team was blessed by more goal unit baskets than the opposition. And you know, if there had been Twitter in the late 80s, we would have seen a slew of, you know, I just got my Nintendo, hashtag blessed. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just me, but you get what I'm saying. We have a tendency to look at happiness as a result of the stuff and the things. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be thankful for the things that we have, and it's also not to say that we shouldn't have good things in the first place. But true happiness, it doesn't come from the stuff and the things. And Jesus even warned about that kind of happiness. Matthew 16, verse 26, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Ouch. That kind of sounds like the opposite of the kind of happiness that we're going after here. And the sooner we realize this, the better. Because once you start thinking things like, I'm not going to be happy until I get blank, well, you already set a timer on that happiness. And, and, and this blessedness that we're talking about here in Psalm 1, it doesn't have time constraints. It doesn't wear off. It's abundant. It's overflowing. It cannot be contained, and it doesn't stop even once our time on earth is up. Now, this would seem like a great place for me to stop talking and ask if you'd like to have it. But it's not as simple as that. So we need to spend some time talking about how it can be attained. So we already know 
The key to happiness is knowing what true happiness is. We know that, but we also need to know, number two, the key to true happiness is choosing true happiness. Now, in 1999, the world received a gift that it didn't even know it wanted. And I'm not talking about the debut of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm not talking about the third album put out by Foo Fighters. I'm not even talking about the release of Internet Explorer 5. I, of course, am talking about the cinematic masterpiece, The Matrix. Now, if you're not familiar with this, The Matrix is the story of Neo. He's a gifted computer hacker, and he comes to find out that the very world in which he lives is nothing but an illusion. You see, machines have taken over the world, and they've plugged everybody's minds into a computer simulation. And furthermore, there's a prophecy that one person is going to come forward and stop these machines and free the human race. Well, there's a rebellion led by a guy named Morpheus, and he believes that Neo is the one that this prophecy is speaking about. So in one of the most iconic scenes in the film, Neo is presented with a choice. He can take the red pill or the blue pill. Now the red pill, it will allow him to join the rebellion, to fight against the machines and see if he indeed is the one that the prophecy speaks of. If he takes the blue pill, he can forget everything that he knows about the machines taking over the world. He never met Morpheus, he doesn't know anything about a rebellion, and he can go on living his life in ignorance of the crisis at hand. Whoa. You want to talk about pressure. What a choice to have thrust on you. Now, the blue pill seems like the easy way to go, but the red pill, it could lead to a revolution that would change the world for the better. Now, what you need to know is there was no third choice for Neo here. He, taking neither pill, that wasn't an option. He couldn't just sit in a comfy chair with mittens crossing his arms and, and hope that everything would turn out all right. He had to choose to do one thing or another. And as difficult as it might be for us to hear it, we have the same dilemma. Let's go back to our psalm here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We have a choice to make. Are we going to go the way of the wicked, or are we going to go the way of the righteous? It, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it? It's not even really a choice at all. I mean... It's obvious that the way of the wicked doesn't lead to anything good. I mean, if someone offered you a choice between a plate of nachos or a smack in the face with a can of twisted tea, which would you take? It just seems really simple, but, but here's the thing. This counsel of the wicked, it can sneak right up on you when you're not paying attention. Because most of the time, wickedness is not waiting in the bushes to jump out and yell at us. Most of the time, it sneaks up and whispers in our ear. And it tells us what the good life is supposed to be. It points to examples of those who are living that life, and it encourages us to seek after it. 
I like what Pastor James Howell says about this. Society says, don't break the law, maximize your portfolio, travel and relish the party circuit. But the psalm shakes its head and pities us for missing out on the delight in the law of the Lord. Robert Frost's most famous poem talks about two roads and his disappointment that he can't travel both of them. And you know, all too often, we find ourselves trying to do exactly that. We want to delight in the law of the Lord. But the counsel of the wicked, well, it has that one thing that we think we need to be happy. So we compromise, we lead separate lives, and we try to live in a gray area that doesn't exist. So there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And you know, Jesus himself spoke about this. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You see, when the wicked whisper in our ears about all the cool stuff and things, they neglect to mention what it's going to cost us. They only show us what can be directly in front of us, but they don't want to show us what's waiting for us at the end of that road. So what about those who delight in the law of the Lord? What about the ones who made that choice? While the wicked are making their choices, what are they doing instead? Let's go back to our psalm. Start in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. To delight in the law of the Lord is to be who God created you to be. We can't enjoy true happiness when we're trying to be anything other than that. I mean, you, you might find something temporary that, that makes you happy for a moment, but ultimately, emptiness is going to take over. In the psalm, it talks about a tree, and you know, a tree is a tree. It doesn't have the ability to even try to be anything else. Whatever kind of fruit it's supposed to produce, that's what it's going to produce. Because it's what God created it to be. It glorifies God by being a tree. And that is delighting in the law of the Lord. We have to choose to be content with whoever he created us to be. So we, now we know what choice to make. But how do we go about sustaining the right choice? Because, you know, it's not as simple as standing in a public place and saying, I declare the way of the righteous. I mean, you can try that. And I'd like to see that. That'd be pretty cool. But once you even get going down that road, there is never a point where you can plant yourself in it and say, I'm good. I've made my choice. This is it. You know, we've been saying throughout this sermon series and even before that, that wherever you are, God doesn't want you there. And this sermon series specifically has talked about how to let your Bible be the roadmap for your life. So how are you going to do that 
unless you're making it a priority in your life. Watch this. Recently, I confessed something to Ian that I did over the last year. He and John have encouraged me to come forward and to tell a congregation. So here goes. I read the entire Bible in 2020. <laughs> now I'm not here to brag or to tell you that I did something great. The Bible warns us about being boastful. Matthew 23:12 says that whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So I'd like to humbly tell you how my reading the Bible this past year came about. Last January, during a service, Ian spoke about different plans that were available for people to use that would help them get through the entire Bible in just one year. Now I know that a lot of you are already coming up with reasons why you would not be able to do this. The main one being, I don't have the time. I use that same excuse in my head too. However, God reminded me about how much time I had for being on Facebook, for watching TV, and a number of other things that I seemed to find the time for because I wanted to. So, I committed to doing the best that I could. My wife, Suzanne, printed off a copy of the Gospel Coalition's Daily Devotional Reading Plan, and I started. As the days went by, my reading became a habit, and then a habit became something that I was looking forward to doing. And soon I found that I was learning a lot. Being in God's Word brought me great comfort in this past year. It wasn't always easy, and there were many names of people and places in the Bible that I didn't know how to pronounce. There were days that I would miss and I would get behind on my schedule, and then there were days that I wanted to read more and I would get ahead on my schedule. Through reading God's Word, I feel that I've become a much more patient person, patient with my wife and daughter and the rest of my family, patient with people that are believers and patient with people that are not believers. It seems to me that every story you finally find in the end that God was with them and no matter what the hardship was, what they were going through, God helped them make it through that and in the end everything was okay. My hope here is for you to see that I am a person just like you. And with God's help, I was able to do this. I read the entire Bible, and I must admit, I felt a great sense of accomplishment when I had finished. So, I would like to encourage you to just get started. Find a plan, and maybe it takes you two years. Well, great. It's not about how fast, it's about reading God's Word. God is pleased any time we are in His book. I pray that with the help of God, a seed will be planted today, a seed that will grow into a desire for you to read God's Word. Thank you, and may God be with you. So there's two components to the key. You need to know what true happiness is, and you need to choose true happiness. And that makes up the key to blessedness, which is to delight in the law of the Lord. In order to do that, you have to make yourself familiar with it. And like Eric said, all too often, we use a lack of time as an excuse. But what are you filling your time with? Because I would argue that the counsel of the wicked would have us believe that stuff and things are more worth our time than digging into the word. Your Bible is productive, and we should be as well when it comes to studying it. 
Let's pick up in our psalm again, starting in verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we have a choice, righteousness or wickedness. One leads to blessedness, which is true happiness, and the other, well, it's laid out pretty plainly where that leads, doesn't it? See, the road of delight in the law of the Lord leads to an eternity with Jesus. And those voices that whisper in your ear, they don't want you to know that. So what better way to block them out than by immersing yourself in the law of the Lord? That's true happiness. That is blessedness. Now, I want to close out our time here today uh, by doing something a little bit special. Now, if, if you came to our recent night of worship, you've heard this before, but bear with me because it's worth hearing again. The band is going to sing a song, and it's a song of blessing. Now, there's a big difference between this song and other worship songs that we do, and that difference is this. This song is addressed to you. Now, if that gives you pause, I don't blame you because I felt the same way the first time I ever heard this song. Because it doesn't address God directly, it addresses you. But I love the way that this was explained and this cleared things up for me. This is a worship song because you know what? God loves to bless his people. This true happiness we've been talking about, he wants that for you. And this is not one of those name it and claim it kind of things. God wants his eternal blessings for you. And furthermore, he wants his leaders to long for that blessing on his people. Let's read this together. It's Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's the blessing that Aaron gave to God's people and that's the same blessing that we want to ask for you today. You see, to receive a blessing from God is an act of worship because it's a response to an encounter with him and that's what worship is. Go ahead and listen to this. Let's pray together. God, we are so very thankful. So very thankful for the blessings that you give to us each and every day. And Lord, we take them for granted sometimes because we concentrate too much on the things that we want in our lives. Lord, thank you for this roadmap that you've given us. Thank you for showing us what the key to true happiness is. And that's, that is to be in your word, to delight in it. And so, Lord, we, we strive to dive more and more into it so that we can know you better and better. We thank you so much for the blessing you've given. In Jesus' name, amen.